this man could catch a fish in a puddle. That is for sure. One of my concerns in industry, you've done your time, you've got to retirement age, you want to rest, but I don't want to let you guys go. We need you guys back helping us. We need the education, you know, to help us with, with the young. And the industry needs help. You know, we, we're all caught in the headlights at the moment. I challenge the people that I'm dealing with at the RICS about this recently. I said, what is the RICS doing about taking the careers message into school? I can't see that there's enough of that. And I, I've volunteered to do it. I'd be critical, but I'd say I'd do something about it. What you can't do... It's, it's a bit like if you don't vote, you ain't got a say as far as I'm concerned. But it's right, isn't it? We're not, we're, not, we're not helping ourselves. I'm involved with the Margate Community Land Trust, which is all about making spaces and places for the creative arts in Thanet. We've got some government money to spend and I'm heading up the property committee that's trying to spend it. You might find time goes quickly. I know, and we do. I am not fishing with you anymore. <laughs> Simple as that. I am done. Viewers, listeners... Welcome to another edition of Blighty Talks Bricks. Um, we, you, the regular ones will know that we have a theme for the, the new listeners and viewers. If you think, why does he look weird sitting in a, a shirt with his fly fishing vest on? Well, there's a reason. Um, <laughs> my guests that come on, I always like to find something else to start the conversation with, or just a, an icebreaker, really. Um, and I'm wearing this because my guest today is someone I've known for more years than I really want to talk about, but certainly I think we're pushing 35 plus. Um, but So I've known him a long time. I've been involved in a number of property things with him. But the one thing that this man super excels out is fly fishing. Well, I say fly fishing, particularly fishing, but my experience fly fishing, and I'm wearing this in honour of his ability, this man could catch a fish in a puddle. Um, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, when he was in the office today, uh, Anne-Marie in the office turned around and said, well, if you're going to do that, why don't you wear waders? And I thought, do you know what? Waders, but long leather boots or rubber boots, I'm not sure that works either. But, um, so, so with no further ado, um, I'd like to welcome uh, my guest today, absolutely fantastic human being, um, someone I'm very um, honoured to know. Uh, it's been a pleasure to work with. He's just an all-round top guy. Welcome, Chris Crook. Hi, Thanks, Chris. Very kind of you. How are you? I'm very well. Very well indeed, thank you. So going back to, uh, I'm not going to touch on fishing because I remember you catching five species of fish on fly. And for the fisherers uh, that are listening and watching will go, that's not possible. Trust me, I witnessed it. He is amazing. But um, I want to talk about, you know, the days when we met. But before, how did you get into the property world? Um, I started off playing Monopoly. Day after day after day with a cousin of mine. And we used to get into the most almighty arguments and fights because we bent the rules. There was no limit to the number of properties you could put on one of those squares. Right. Okay. So you could land on Old Kent Road and it might have six hotels. It didn't matter whether it was Mayfair or Old Kent Road. <laughs> and I put a lot of it down to that. Um, I also had um, an uncle who was an architect. I was very interested in what he did. Um, my, my dad's background was um, in construction. He was a chippy and a joiner. Was he? Right. And I think that was, that was a steer in that direction. Uh, at the time that I came to be thinking about leaving school and going to university, 
I thought, well, what am I going to do? This this was the time of the three day week. I don't know if you remember that. The, yeah, I do. The yeah. lights were going National out. National strikes. Yep. I can remember doing my um, homework to the light of a tilly lamp. Yep. Which was otherwise used for beach fishing, but you know. <laughs> yeah, um, back to the fishing. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? Um, I need to find a, a vocational degree if I'm going to do one. And the only one I could find was um, land management at Reading. And that's where I went and uh, did the land management degree. And then the first guy I met going through the doors of the uni was Grand Cherry. Well, and that's where the countryside That's began. where the countryside story began, yeah. Right. And that was 42 years ago. Was it really? Yeah. No, more than that. It was 76, 77. And, and so um, you met the Cherries and that introduced you to countryside straight into the... Because were they commercial as well back in the day? Well, they were commercial. And, um, I, I got to meet the, the family, and in particular Alan, who was a real charismatic individual, if ever there yeah. was one. I did a couple of years after uni um, in the West End, qualified as a chartered surveyor, got bored out of my tree. Yeah. Um, and one day I got a phone call from, from Countryside and they said, well, look, you know, we've, got a, we've got a fledgling commercial division, because I was working in commercial property at the time. Are you, are you interested? I said, God, not half. And I think I, I left, on, left Mayfair on a Friday when the most exciting thing I was doing was a rent review. And on the Monday morning, I was in charge of five office buildings under construction. That was the deep end. Just threw you in there and on you got one. Yep. Yeah. Just a couple of things, because one of the passionate things I am about this industry, and, and I know you and I have touched on it in the past, is you went to uni. Yeah. Um, and and, you, and I, can, you, I know you're a bright guy. Do you think that there's still an opportunity for people to get into the industry without exams? Yes, I without do. Without qualifications? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, some of the... Early influences on my development career were people that had come up and through straight from school or maybe a year or two at college. I've never regarded the degree as a, you know, you've got to have it sort of thing. I think it's very useful if you want to be qualified as a chartered surveyor, a yep. development specialisation, but no, not at all. And um, I'm spending some time at the moment with a a friend who is involved in trying to do mentoring and training and initiation oh, for really? people at school leaver age into the construction industry. Oh, it's the early days at the moment, but we're, it, it, it's going to get going. Well, look, listen, just on that side issue, if there's anything that I can do or BPC can do, then I'd love to help. Thank you. Um, because, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's one, of the, one of the things that the industry is great at doing, accepting people in that don't have qualifications yeah i mean i i have to say that a lot of schools do not give the best careers for sure uh training into what things you can do in property and the, and the breadth and the depth and the scope of that is incredible every time i ever speak to to school kids about it they're like oh that's amazing you know and when you say well if you were this job you could be earning so much then they really get interested of yep. course yeah. And I think there's a, there's a message there to be got across that there are careers, there are opportunities, and because we're building houses, we're not all about destroying the planet. We're about housing the population, and that's a big issue. Well, well that, and that's that's I mean something we'll come on to, but I mean that's one of the um, stigmas out there that house yeah. builders are these terrible people. Yeah, that all they do is they put these horrible boxy type houses, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and nobody wants them. Um, 
And, and by the way, they've got an ally in the government at the moment. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. I mean, what are they up to? But just, I just don't want to uh, jump too far ahead because you were at Countryside for many, many years, and, and maybe if I'm saying probably for, for about 15 years or more, maybe. As, as 28 mani- years. Yeah, but in, in terms yeah. of managing director. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Was, did, you, did you feel that when you left... I mean, Countryside was an amazing business, yeah, yeah. particularly back in the day. I think it's a yeah. different animal today. It is, yeah. Um, it was groundbreaking. Yes, I mean, we, we were given tremendous opportunity to create things from pretty much nothing. Bearing in mind the planning climate was different. Yeah. Um, I can remember going to meetings with planning authorities and saying that we wanted to do development this way. And then we'd talk about it and maybe come up with a new house-type range and come up with some innovations on the infrastructure and landscaping and all that kind of stuff, rather than being told how to do it, which is the way it is today. It is that way today, isn't it? Yeah, and so the the scope for creativity was fantastic. And there were an awful lot of creative people at Countryside at that time, bearing in mind we had our own in-house design teams some really talented people there that have gone on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Someone like Steve Stone, for instance. Yeah. 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 He was in the drawing office at Countryside. Oh, was he? Back, I didn't yeah, know that. back oh, in I the day. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, and that opportunity for a, a, a relatively youthful team of people was, was seized with great enthusiasm. And you couldn't repeat that again. You really couldn't. No. And, that, and that's sad, isn't it? It is. Very sad. Because yeah. if anything... We're crying out for that now. Yeah. But you go to so many authorities and there is a prescriptive approach to development. There's a prescriptive approach to density of housing. I mean, take some schemes that Countryside did in Chelmsford. It was us that went to the authorities and said, we'd like to integrate some affordable housing. Was it really? Yeah. Can you believe that? Well, yes, but it's been forgotten. Yeah. Yes, I don't think... Listen, I'm moaning at the government, but I'm also moaning at our industry. We don't mm. look at, we don't, we don't promote ourselves properly. No. You know that should be that should be remarked in conversation. Mm. That that mm. should be something is a great line to sit there and say, did you know what countryside? Not just countryside. There might have been others. I'm sure that Tony Tony did it. Tony Pidgeley did it at Barclay. Mm. But we don't we don't we don't bang the drum, do we? No, but equally, I would be critical of those that have gone out of their way to try and avoid having to provide it. Okay. With spurious viability arguments and so on and so forth. And I think that has done the industry no favours that those people that have fought against it have then affected policy that's followed in the way that then you all have got to do it and you've all got to do it a certain way. So... As two old dinosaurs, forgive me, <laughs> um, as two old dinosaurs sitting here and just chewing the cud, how do we, how do we get hold of this? How do we get the industry? I'm, I'm, am I criticising the HBF? I'm criticising them because other than providing me with some facts, they don't talk to me. Mm. Now, this is a podcast that's for the industry. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast that... We talk about things in an open forum in a proper manner. Mm. Um, we'll also make make sure that everyone that comes on the show is comfortable with what we're saying. We're not; it's not a witch hunt. But for them to go, 
oh no, we don't want to come on. That's not what we do. I, I, I don't get my head around that one. No, that's that's a shame. Um, I don't know why that should be. I mean, what gives me great heart and encouragement at the moment is that the housing crisis is beginning to be recognised. Yep. It's big, be, people are beginning to understand it a bit more. I've always said that we'll see the greatest sea change when the young people start saying, we want new houses, and that has begun to happen. There's a greater volume of critical um, and academic work that is saying the reasons things aren't happening are the intransigence of planning officers, the lack of skill on the other side of the fence, the lack of urgency on the other side of the fence, and so on and so forth. And there are all these... And, and I think people are starting to take them up and read them. And for the first time, you're seeing on the telly now stuff to do with our broken planning system, yep. the lack of housing provision, what it means. You know, I, my family get absolutely sick to the back teeth with me about this. <laughs> but the reason, we have, well. the reason we have got homelessness on our streets is because partly we haven't built enough houses in the last 40 years. Well, I mean, it's... <laughs> If you look at some of the figures, and, 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 and I go back to, you know, we had to have a title for this, um, and, and Blighty Talks Bricks was catchy, wasn't my idea, yeah. Coral, Coral in our business came up with it. It's not about me, never mm. has been, won't be, it's about getting people like you um, on the show to actually talk about things, because there is a crisis, is exactly mm. the right word. You know, we are between three and four million short of where we should be yeah. in home. Yeah, we are. I, I, I Politicians talk about the housing crisis, um, but they don't really mean it and understand it because, to my mind, a crisis is a situation that you want to do something about. Correct. Uh, and I don't get any sense of urgency None to do with it. Um, a, a certain senior politician who shall remain nameless uh, said to me at a meeting two or three years ago, he said, the problem is, Chris, there are no votes in housing. Whether you're for it or whether you're against it, there are no votes. Now, that's really selfish, isn't it? Well, I think, listen, I'm calling them out. Um, yeah. They are selfish. Yeah. You know, I mean, when they put um, going on I'm a celebrity at the front of the queue... I know. Um, and when you see some of the things that they talk about and do, yeah. I think it is absolutely disgusting and disgraceful. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it, what happened in this country when Farage got behind the, the Brexit thing. And we were all horribly misled, I know. But it, it made a difference. If you could get someone like a Farage, I'm not saying necessarily him, behind the homelessness and the housing crisis thing, what a difference that might make. And, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing, really, that we don't join the dots up. Um, and I go back, and I've mentioned it in previous podcasts, and I'll always reference Tony Pidgeley, you know, treat people like animals, and they mm. will behave like animals. Mm. Well, treating someone like an animal is just leaving... Now, we all know that the homeless situation is, is more than one question. Of course. There are some people that... Some, a few, that in some strange way seems to suit them. Mm. But generally speaking, people just want to be safe and secure. Of course they do. And, and and what we're doing at the moment is just wrong. Mm. It's just wrong. And and I don't I 
I just wonder whether it's we've got to it that age of being grandparents before it registers. Well, partly. I mean, certainly that's got a lot to do with it. When I, you know, I look at the, the housing needs of my family, uh, I've got six kids, I've got six grandchildren, and I see what they're having to pay and what they get for it, and whether that's to rent or whether it's to buy, it's not a lot. Yeah, and I think, well, thank goodness there's you know the the bank and mum and dad to give them a bit of a hand because if they didn't have it, where would they be? Exactly that, and and there is there are you know I, I read an article um, that in this month um, a third of people adults in the UK won't be able to pay their way. No, well. Follow the flow chart, people. If they can't pay, I mean, you know, outside, if you join the house building industry and the construction industry together, it's the biggest revenue for the government. Mm. The second one is supermarkets. Mm. Well, hello, supermarkets, you need to wake up because if mm. people ain't got the money to pay for it, they're going to come in and nick it. Well, that's, and that's what's happening at the moment. And that's exactly what's happening. And crime. And then, then we start, and then we, we go back to being animals. Mm. I mean, I was, I was with a client this morning uh, who's got a private rented portfolio down in East Kent. And it, it really upset me to be talking about letting a two-bedroom seafront apartment for nearly £1,000 a month and the lady that wanted to rent it was 82 years old. Really? And that's all she's got. And what happens to her when she can't afford that rent? Where does she go? Where's her family? And you think, God, that is just that is wrong. Well, yeah, thankfully she's got it, but to have to be that of that age and having to pay a market rent because that's all you've got. How how do we? I think you and I have just touched on, and most people that I speak to in the industry, and and what I will say while I'm on this that um, the podcast is now getting over a hundred thousand views. I mean, this wow. is organic. I mean, yeah. this is no time at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 it's been deliberately meant to do that to actually engage with people mm. not just in the industry if i sat here and forgive you and i if I, if you and i sat here and we did a podcast and i just got a, a couple of people on the property welding it would be two men and his dog mm. and we are using it because like you i know you're passionate and you mm. care mm. but how do we how do we go about we, we know the politicians are, are out for votes and mm. and they should be ashamed of themselves with what's going on in my view um how do we Go about it. if I came if if Mr. Rishi wakes up tomorrow morning and all and he goes right okay um, we're going to do something about it. what could we bring to the table what solutions could we to get the ball rolling to try and deal with this planning issue first of all I think you've got to get an acknowledgement that that housing crisis exists and it it's meaningful and its results are X Y and Z. And I think you've got to get people to believe that. If they start to believe that, then they'll, they'll start to act differently. And I think one of the things that they need to do is to put some empowerment into planning departments in terms of the quality of people and therefore the package that they're paid because it's not attractive. Would, would you want to be dealing with the likes of you and me all day, at you all the time, no. saying, what have you done about so-and-so? No. But, no, but, no. but I mean, you, you mentioned Farage. Um, the country does... Politicians wake up when a group of people make a noise. Mm. Mm. And, and that's why I'm doing this. You know, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm mm. past my sell-by date. Mm. But I'm making a noise because I care. Mm. 
And and the trouble is, we're in a world where we're also scared to talk. Mm. You know, we don't want to make a noise. It's not good for a PLC of a chairman to come out and make a noise. Mm. And and so I've, you know, with some people that are behind me saying that we've got to do something. Well, I I, I think the industry's got to help help itself a bit Correct. as well. Correct, absolutely. Because I can't, you know, there's been some publicity of chief execs earning some ridiculous sums of money. Yeah. Okay. Whichever way you look at it, you cannot justify it's that. It's a fact of life. Nobody's worth that, but that's where but the, the industry is. But it's a fact of life. Is. That's no different to the pharmaceutical industry, no, which I've used before. The, you know, we saw the Farage again. I'm not picking on, you're not picking on, but no. the debacle with NatWest, uh, where we no. found out that the, the leader of, the, the chief exec of NatWest was on 10 million. Mm, mm. We're always going to get people in top of any commercial business that makes money. But unfortunately... It doesn't do the industry any favour when it comes to look how much he's making, look how much they're earning, look at their return to shareholders and so on and so forth. Yet they say they can't afford to do this particular phase of development with some affordable housing in it. And, and that right. doesn't help. And, really and there's an element, help. there's two sides yeah. to that story, yeah. but it shouldn't be something that actually, and I've been told by various people in, in who are a lot more knowledgeable and, and higher pay grades than me that... We took help to buy out because it was considered that certain house builders were making money. Well, that's pathetic. Mm. We need help to buy because that's yeah. exactly what it is. We need to get well, the youngsters yeah. on the ladder. I know. I mean, people say, well, interest rates are low. Yes, they are low historically. But look at the amount of you've got to borrow compared to what we had to borrow 30 years ago. To and buy I think house. the other side of the coin is, is, you know, what people don't look at in the mortgage, the available mortgage products out there. Yeah. If you're in the five percent and the ten percent bracket, you've got to be related to King Charles. I think also we need to make new homes more attractive to people. Yeah, and I think because of the way that a very prescriptive planning policy has been applied in some districts, you get a uniformity of product that makes it look the same wherever you go. And I think if you went back to the days I was telling you about in Chelmsford, I know it's a long time ago now, where you were able to introduce some variety by having some really low-density stuff next to some medium and higher-density stuff, you don't see that range. Now, there's a sort of a, um, a sameness, a homogenised sort of product where the densities are around about, I don't know, um, in developer terms, seventeen to 20,000 square feet to the acre. You know, by definition... Yeah. They're going to start all looking the same. Is it just because it's everything's got to be done quicker and easier? It's box bashing and it's well. You, you spend so much time on the planning process to get there. You know, you look at one I was talking to you about the other day that's just started on site. It's taken us ten years to get from ten years. Is ten it? years <laughs> from the first get go to the first cutting of a sod to make the roadway go in, and. You know, a lot has changed in 10 years. And it's why is it taking that period of time? Why why is my my landowner had to spend, you know, best part of £3 million of his own money to get to that stage for a site which is allocated in the local plan? It just, you know, doesn't make sense at all. At all. So, we've I'm giving you the magic wand. Mm. And we've just touched on a couple of things there. Mm. Is there three things that... Um, in short, you'd say, I need one, two, three to go and do that job. And, yeah, you're going to irritate people and you're going to be on their case because that's the other thing, the work ethic. Mm. Slow, isn't it? <laughs> well, we've, we've got 
we've got sort of post-pandemic paralysis, I think, in some parts. Um, I was complaining to people this morning about the fact you cannot get an emergency plumber or electrician at a weekend anymore. Just not there. I think everybody's got used to a bit of me time. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's one of my biggest pet hates is this situation. I mean, you know, where do, where do we get... How do we get our grandchildren to have a roof over their head? Mm. How does... So we've got a situation where we've got a lack of work ethic. Mm. We've got a situation where... There's also a slight... Sorry to interrupt you, but there's also a slight of work opportunity. So you know, my, my, my first paid working job as a student was as a window cleaner. Right? Yep. Now, I couldn't go and do that now because it would be breaching health and safety oh, yeah, yeah. big time, yeah. wouldn't it? And so by the, time I be, by the time I got a proper job wearing a suit and going into an office, I'd had about ten others, well, which you can't do now. So that work ethic with me that started probably when I started the paper round you know, has stayed with me for a very long time. And, and somebody said to me, you know, few weeks back could you start I'm, I'm more ambitious today than I was 28 years ago but I would have no chance to start BPC today mm. Mm. no chance at all mm. and you know I spoke to I had a meeting this morning with a house builder we, we'll leave the names out of it but um, a small situation looking for a small uh, literally a barn um, in Essex and the guy is coming from the northwest. He's a contractor, planning yeah. guy, and he lives in the northwest. Fair play to him. He did come down for a site meeting, but I mean, surely we must have some people that yeah. are in, in Essex that would love to be in the in the you, property you'd, world. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? That would like to work yeah. in the planning department. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. All right. So let's 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 move on to make it a bit more positive because I can <laughs> see us both slipping down in the chair, getting more and more miserable. Um, <laughs> What parts do you miss now? Now, that, I mean, when you, you you was obviously a bit stereotyped being a countryside. I mean, from sixteen to the age. <laughs> of the, what was the shock when you went out and started on your own? What was the shock? Yeah. Um, cool. That's a good question. I'm known for them, by the I way. Do, I I don't remember being shocked. I remember feeling like this is like you know early. USA Western pioneers, you know. Let's let's see what I can find out there because I've got to go and shoot what I can and eat it, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I took the decision that, well, first of all, no one's really going to be interested that you were over there the other day and now you're over here. They're going to want to know what you can do for them, yeah. and what you might get out of it. And so I set myself the objective of going and talking to as many people as would see me for a chat, not to say. Can you give me something to do? But just let's have a chat about, you know, like we're doing now, about the market, yep. where the opportunities lie, what's going to happen. And out of that came my, my business. And it's just never stopped since then. So we're in year 12 now, I think. Is it really? Yeah. Is it really that <laughs> yeah. long ago? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember yeah. going to an Ardas do. <laughs> and, and you being at this Ardas do. Because the other thing that uh, Mr Crook is really good at is he's actually a really good musician as well. You was in the band at an Ardas That's day. right. Yeah, that was a tough year. Yeah. And I remember coming in and walking up to you and humming the um, the, the, the UB40 so <laughs> song. <laughs> Ivory yes. Madonna. And you said, taking you a few minutes to understand. Yeah, so was then, that, was, that was a bit deep for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I remember, yeah. I, was that 50? Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. time flies. Yeah. But... 
One of my concerns in industry, and, and I put you, uh-huh. Matt Fleming, um, some, some other guys, Stephen Casey, where you've done your time, yeah. you've got to retirement age, yeah. you want to rest, but I don't want to let you guys go. No, don't worry, there's no rest here, mate. No, I know <laughs> you're, you're slightly different, yeah, but, yeah. And, and, I, and you know, I, sp- I spoke to Paul White last yeah. week. We need you guys back helping us. Mm. We need the education. You know, I've got we. It, it, it's very important that we have you guys that we can, as I call it, will you out mm. to help us with mm. with the young. Yep, with the youngsters that are coming into the industry yeah. to actually give you because I've I've been lucky in my life to be mentored. People have taken yep. me under their wing and have cared for me for some reason, and. We need you guys. We need to. We need to lean on you, you know. And, and it's when you mention it's lovely to hear you mention about the school situation yeah. you're doing with school leavers. Yeah. We need that, and the industry needs help. Yeah. You know, we we are all caught in the headlights at the moment. Yeah, I, I, it does. I mean, I, I I challenge the people that I'm dealing with at the RICS about this recently. I said, "What is the RICS doing about taking the careers message into schools?" And Absolutely, and I can't see that there's enough of that. And I, I've volunteered to do it, so it's, it's not. So, you know, I'll be critical, but I say I'll do something about it. Well, it being critical is fine as long as you're prepared to do something Absolutely about right. it. Absolutely, yeah. what you can't do is it's a bit like if you don't vote, you ain't got a say as far as I'm concerned. No, I know. But it's right, isn't it? We're not, we're not, we're not helping ourselves. No, but it's interesting. Where is the interest in what we do? I mean, my, uh, my youngest daughter's at um, university in St Andrews in Scotland. And uh, after she started her first year, we got a <clears throat> after a few weeks, I got a, a letter from somebody at the university. Would you be prepared to be a mentor for people on our final year program in whatever it happens to be? I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. Put my name down. And what happens is they put your, um, your CV into the hat and the cho- students choose if they, they like, okay. like the look of anything okay. You didn't get see. chosen, did you? <laughs> the first year I did, but he was an economics student. Right. Now, I was expecting somebody from geography or yeah. business or whatever. Um, the last two years, I had nobody. And you think, well, this is quite interesting. Why is that? Because I don't know. I can't find out. But um, I just think I'm using it as an example to demonstrate that we need to do more to make what we do a bit sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rather than just being people that destroy the countryside, as we're seeing. And we get, I mean, it's, you know, I had Peter Trust got on recently, and he, he made a really good point where he said, when we talk about more housing, kind of, yes, we build houses, but we don't make people. Oh. <laughs> they, they're here. Yeah. They're here. What are we going to do with them? You know, yeah, I've got five. And, 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 and he made another valid point when he said, you know, that the units that we build... Mm. It's not people coming necessarily from a long way away. Yes, there will be some. Yeah. Generally speaking, it will be local people yeah, I think that are actually leaving another property to go there, whether yeah. it's been in rented, whether it's a smaller property or whatever. I think as far as I can remember, it was always the case when people like the HBF and others researched it, New Homes Marketing Board, when it was still going, um, most people move within about a five, five-mile radius. Yeah. And, and another subject there, what's your view on help to buy? Should we have it? No. So you don't believe we should have help to no. buy? So what would be your way? So 
what would be something you'd bring in to help that movement? Um, I think I would be looking for more help on the mortgage front, but not in a way that traps people. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I was reading somebody's offer this morning where they're looking to sort of cap mortgage rates, for example. Um, I, I, I was always concerned with help to buy that if the market went a bit sour, we would see the re-emergence of negative equity. Yep. Yeah. And one of my daughters and her husband bought a flat in London, um, in the Old Kent Road, and they just about managed to avoid that becoming a problem after they'd been there for a few years. Really? Because the help to buy it artificially inflated what people were paying. And do you know the other thing that was absolutely outrageous was that the solicitors that were involved did not do the appropriate due diligence. So when they came to sell, there were unanswered questions that should have been dealt with when they bought brand new. Right. They couldn't then pass on to subsequent purchases. And it just smacked to me as if all being too convenient around the help to buy situation that existed at the time. So how would... Okay, so I'm not... Dis I've heard some stories like that. Yeah. Um, I think that the majority of stuff, and I agree with the negative equity, I remember when it was back in the day in repossessions oh, and stuff like that. That was awful. Yeah. Um, and that, and I mean, I remember being at legal in general in on, on the estate agency side, but we had a, a repossessions department. Yep. You know, and, and they were, I mean, weekly, there was numbers coming through there. And, and there were people taking their own lives as a result of it. Absolutely right. Awful. Absolutely awful right. So is there a short-term formula? We've, we've got to go and get the banks and the building societies together. And, and I mean, the government mentioned this week in, in a soundbite, and as far as I'm concerned, it's a soundbite, it's meant nothing, 99% mortgages. 99% mortgages. Yeah, well, I, you're heading in the same direction again if you if you're not careful with what's that going to mean when you want to move on i mean i mean some of the house builders won't like it i'm sure but one of the if i could wave a magic wand i would increase the amount of housing that's actually coming onto the market and the house the prices would come down well, of course it would supply yeah. and demand um so you know that <laughs> that's something that ought to happen um i don't know what else I can sort of immediately suggest? I mean, it, it worries me that um, I'm hearing noises about regulation in the rented sector. Yeah. Whether that would happen or not, I don't know. But um, I, I would, I'm, I, I would prefer to see the market work out on its own without those interference. Yeah. Well, just on that, just on that, when you talk about repossessions, it reminds me that you know one of the things that I like to touch on is um, charities. Yep. Uh, is there any charities that are dear to your heart? Mm. Two in particular, um, at the local level, as you as you know, I'm from East Kent and I'm born and bred in Margate, and I'm now proud of it because Margate is now trendy. Trendy, very it never trendy. used to be. Well, down to Delboy, isn't it, uh, since you went on the well, tour Well, yeah, that, that had something to do with it. Um, you know, ha having been to school down there and brought up down there, I couldn't wait to get out when I was a teenager, but it's a bit different now. So um, I'm involved with the Margate Community Land Trust, 
which is all about making spaces and places for the creative arts in Thanet. Um, we are a new charity, we're just up and running and we've got some government money to spend and I'm heading up the property committee that's trying to spend it. Um, but the industry, the creative arts in Thanet are a huge industry. And we've Is just completed really? some very valuable survey work and the range is incredible. I've seen some amazing organisations ranging from one man and one lady bands where they might be doing something fantastically creative with fabric or pottery or something through to studios that do some of the sort of world-leading animations and we've got them all. Um, so that's really quite exciting. So that's, that's my first local charity. The other one is the Gap Project in Broadstairs, which is... Uh, in a building that I had quite a lot to do with in terms of its planning and design. Um, it reaches out to the local community. There's over a 1,000 people come through its doors every week. It ranges from elderly people to special needs to education and training, and there's a homeless drop-in as well. Is that really? Yep, and it does a lot of work there so they, get, so they can get showers, they can get sorted out, they can get a hot meal... All that kind of stuff. And this is right in the middle of Broadstairs. And there's about 120 volunteers that work there um, from time to time. Um, some of my very good friends are involved there on a daily basis. And I think it's, you know, because it's very local, it's it's important to me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, starts, it starts to address some of those issues that we've touched on, but at the, at the small local level. You know? well, well, big shout out to them. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's lovely to hear. And I'm always, you know, the charities are big. I mean, do, you know, you know how much yes. we do in charity world. Um, another question. I, I, as you know, um, I struggle with my uh, emotional wellness. Yeah. Um, I've changed that word since speaking to one of my uh, Anna Goff recently, who was just a lovely lady, talks about certain things. Mm. Um, you've always seen pretty in control and solid really to me how, how do you I mean that might be a facade you might actually say to me actually like behind the scenes I'm a basket case but uh -huh. um, how do you deal with your emotional because you always look in control and had one of my guests on you know um, DJ Spoonie I said you know Jonathan you always how do you is there a, do you have a mechanism do you have because people out there struggle are always looking for something to find to help them yeah I mean I I was talking to someone about this yesterday. In fact, the, the, the guy who wrote that poem that I sent yes, to you. Yes, yes. And um, if you look at some of the studies that have been done on this, I, I can tick a lot of boxes in terms of how to sort of keep it together. Right? I live on the coast, yep. okay? I can cross across the, go across the road and I can jump in the water. Whether yep, it's cold, freezing cold, cold. Cold, freezing cold, or every, very, very cold. I can go running along the beach every day if I want to. I can cycle for miles along some fantastic coastline. I've got an amazing family, an incredible wife. Um, they're lots of fun. Uh, I'm involved in the community. I'm involved with charity, involved with the lo local church. I've got a good balance of yep. stuff. And I'm a fisherman. And it's my real it? sort of... Clear the head times it's when you go fishing is when I can go fishing. Of course, I'm very fortunate. I can cross the road, I can go down onto the beach, and I can pull out some bass. 
and they come back and they're on the barbecue. I mean, it's it, it, it's like that's, love. That's 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 the that's the bit that's done me on that. Yeah. I, was, I was with him all the other things. I go fishing and I fish and I don't catch a fish and you catch not one but two, three, four, five. I mean, you've, you've seen Love Island on the telly, haven't you? I have. Yeah, it's been based on life in Thanet. <laughs> Look, listen. I mean, uh, before we sat down, um, I said to you that you might find time goes quickly. Yeah, I know. And we do. Um, we do chew the cud quite a lot. Yeah. Um, sadly for me, because I've really enjoyed this, uh-huh. uh, our time has come up. Wow. Um, one of the things that I will say, and, it, and, and I said about the, the fish invest, but uh-huh. the other thing that we've got that is really becoming very apparent on the podcast that we do is the quality of the human beings I'm oh. having come and sit opposite me and, and talk blighty, talks bricks. It's an oh. absolute pleasure, mate. To have you today. I mean, unfortunately, I've been in your world for a long time, property-wise. <laughs> um, but it's gone so quick for me. I've mm. really enjoyed it. We've we've certainly um, poked a few bears. We have, haven't we? Um, and I am not fishing with you anymore. <laughs> Simple as that. I am done. The only reason I go fishing with you is because the, 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 normally the first trout we catch is lovely on the barbie. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah. Chris Crook. Been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for coming. Um, listeners, viewers, um, I'm biased. This show gets better and better, and it's the quality of the people that come on. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and I look forward to seeing you all in the future. Take care. Good Lovely man. to see you. Cheers, fella.